Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Retail Leaders, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the leaders who know how to use game changing technologies and business strategies to anticipate the future, recognize macro trends, and champion innovation in their organizations. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run, drive, or fly, and I'm saying that for a reason, fly with the game changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run, drive, fly, walk, whatever it is. I have an interesting show for you today. Oh, my retail leaders, we've been talking about food. We've done it before, but specifically grocery. Let me take you back in time to 1972. Okay, many of you in our audience around the world may not not have been born by then, but you may have heard a song called Me and Mrs. Jones. And Me and Mrs. Jones, it won a Grammy Award for Billy Paul, who was original name was Paul Williams, but there were so many Paul Williams out there, he wanted to be different, so he renamed himself Billy Paul. He won a Grammy for this song, and it's been replayed by so many, including Michael Bublé a few years ago. Here is a lyric, and then I'll tell you what we're going to be talking about today. The, the lyric from this song is, Me and Mrs. Jones, we got a thing going on. Well, it's time for us to be leaving. It hurts so much. It hurts so much inside. Now she'll go her way and I'll go mine. Oh, so sad. The affair was maybe not over. They met every day. So let's talk about this. What is Mrs. Jones doing? That was 1972. This is 2019. You do the math. She's probably still around, and she's probably still shaking things up. But now Mrs. Jones has tasted, pun intended, the digital grocery experience. She orders online, she picks up in the store, or she drives up to a little area outside the grocery store, and somebody comes out with her order and puts it in her are no must, no fuss. But now she wants more and more and more from her in-person, face-to-face, storefront, brick-and-mortar grocer. So the question is, how can today's grocers, whether you own or manage a big store, a little store, a chain, a one-on-one store, I'll call it a little tiny one, a bodega, how can you make Mrs. Jones a loyal fan and keep her there? Well, we have some ideas today. You may have an in-store butcher. You may have a florist, like they have at my Harris Teeter here, beautiful store in Durham, North Carolina. You may have an in-store baker. Well, they have got to deliver an experience that lets Mrs. Jones be happy to come to your location. She has to enjoy the experience. She probably wants to serve healthy meals to her family and her quote-unquote good friends. You have to deliver all of that to her and keep her smiling. Don't stop being who you are. Don't run after the bells and whistles that Amazon is using to perhaps disrupt you. Don't throw out your business model. Know your online and your in-store battlefields, but you need to reshape the grocery ecosystem for Mrs. Jones and everybody else who you want to come in your store and spend money. We have a great panel. I am Bonnie D. Graham, and welcome to Game Changing Retail Leaders. It is Wednesday, June 19, 2019, and our topic is Mrs. Jones and her grocer. Got a thing going on? Okay, I'll stop saying that. <laughs> Let me tell you who our panelists are, and I'm going to have them introduce themselves to you as I read each one's name. Bill Bishop, co-founder, Brick Meets Click. Bill, please say hello and briefly tell everyone who you are and why this topic is important to you. I'm Bill Bishop, uh, chief architect at Brick Meets Click, and it's a place where I lead the thought leadership and the evolution of food retailing. I've been at food retailing for a number of years and every day spend time identifying dots that need to be connected to help us understand where 
Mrs. Jones and the grocer will be headed in the future. Thank you very much, Bill. I'm just going to ask, you don't have to answer, do you remember that song back in the day? I do. I'm one of the people who does remember that, absolutely. (laughs) Me too. I knew I liked you. Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones. I won't say anymore. We got a thing. Do you want to sing that for me, Bill, or are you going to decline? (laughs) I I think I'll uh, respectfully decline on that opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. You're you're very kind and very thoughtful. I've already ruined the song for so many. Okay, let's go to our next panelist, Dave Gruen, Global Retail Industry Principal for SAP's Customer Experience Team. We've got that term customer experience in there. Dave, welcome, and tell everybody who you are, please. Thank you very much, Bonnie. I am a Global Retail Industry Principal for SAP's Customer Experience Team, which means I focus on customer experience in retail. Um, I've got three really core passions in my life. Um, music, I'm a drummer, have been since I was about six years old. But uh, technology, uh, when I, I, I struggled with trying to figure out what I wanted to do for a living, and when I discovered PCs in the early 1980s, my head exploded, and I happened to be a retail associate at the time. And while I was fascinated by retail, I couldn't see myself being a retail associate. But when I fused the two together, I've got now a 25-plus year career directing the tech. Uh, the technology and retail intersection for leading-edge retailers all over the world uh, and have been doing this and can't get it. Once you're in retail, you never get out of retail. It's just, it's just a part of your DNA. So I love it and uh, excited to talk about it. Thank you very much. And by the way, I'm a drummer, but a very recent one. I've been playing for nine months, and I'm all over Durham, Carrie, Raleigh, playing at open mic, starting my own open mic and playing with a couple bands. Once you get to drum, I think it stays in your blood. I'm latecomer to that part of music, but Dave, we have so much. Bill's not going to sing, but he remembers me and Mrs. Jones, and you and I share drumming in common. Isn't it a beautiful world? Thank you, Dave, and welcome. And now a panelist who we consider a veteran of Game Changers Radio. He's been on so many times in the past couple months. I may not need to introduce him to our audience, but I will just because of formality. Randy Evans spells his last name E-V-I-N-S if you're looking for him. Senior Principal Food and Drug Retail Vertical at SAP America. Randy is the reason I said drive or walk or fly with us today because Randy's in an airport. So, Randy, tell everybody, remind them, because I know everybody knows you around the world. You're already famous. Randy, tell everybody, remind them what you do at SAP. Sure, Randy Evans. Uh, I am the I'm the um, industry executive advisor for food, drug, and convenience. That's that's a fancy title. It translates into I'm the the industry guy inside of our retail practice. So that comes to grocery and drugstore and convenience. I'm I'm the guy that gets to talk talk about the industry and what the industry does. I like to say I'm the translator. I speak um, SAP and I speak retail. I spent the first 30 years of my career in the grocery business for Lucky's in California, HEB in Texas, and American stores out of Salt Lake City. So I've I got a I got a pretty extensive background. I'm um, also spent of those 30 years, 25 of them were in the meat department. So I not only can I uh, talk about the grocery industry, but I can tell you what kind of steak you should buy tomorrow for your grill. Um, Very interesting. A long day. <laughs> Dave's lines, I'm a trumpet player too, so I'm a I'm a I'm a musician from way back when. I think I'll have we have to, to get a, you both to retail rock and roll. We have to we have to get a jam band going. Bill, do you have any instrument you play if you're not gonna sing with us? Bill Bishop, you what do you want to do in the band? We're saving a spot for I you. I think I'll play the piano. Oh Beautiful. Kid, 
drums. Yeah. We've got two drummers. We've got a trumpet and a piano. Is it any better than that? Thank you. Rock and roll retail. Okay, we've got to keep our focus now on Mrs. Jones, and no, we won't sing. Thank you all three for introducing yourselves. Now we get to the part of the show where each of my panelists has very kindly and cleverly provided me with an opening quote, not in their own words and not on the topic, and they're going to tell us how the quote relates to the topic. So we get to hear how they think, what they feel about the topic, and a little more of their words of wisdom on what in the world is going on in the world of Mrs. Jones and the grocery. So Bill Bishop at Brick Meets Click has sent us the following quote. I'll tell you in a second from Martin Buber. Anybody remember him? B-U-B-E-R. Of course you don't. 1878 to 1965, but you may have heard of him. He was an Austrian-born Israeli Jewish philosopher known for his philosophy of dialogue, a form of existentialism centered on the distinction between the I-thou relationship in the I-it relationship. We'll just leave it at that. He was nominated for the Nobel Prize in Literature 10 times and the Nobel Peace Prize 7 times. He must have been doing something right. Here's the quote Bill has picked. This is a good one, Bill. The world wants to be deceived. Bill, I have no idea what that means. Please enlighten me. Okay. Well, I, I think all of us would rather... Uh, be in a world that was the way we wanted it rather than the way it really is. Um, a few years ago, uh, it was described as don't move my cheese. Uh, mm-hmm. But today, I think uh, what we're all interested in is uh, having things be the way we would prefer. Um, what's interesting and how it relates to our topic today is that up until Amazon bought Whole Foods, uh, the vast majority of grocery industry was not interested in accepting the idea that consumers wanted to shop online. However, when Amazon bought Whole Foods, the world changed, and now everybody's moving rapidly in that direction. Um, I think there are a couple of retailers who have really begun to embrace this idea. One is Raley's in Sacramento. The other is... Uh, one that's around the corner for most of us, Walmart. Um, but this is going to challenge the leaders in retailing because, quite frankly, a lot of folks still want the world to be the way it is versus, uh, the, uh, I should say, the world the way they want it to be versus the way it really is, and it's changing. Thank you very much, Bill. I The quote is so, it's deep. It can apply to almost anything. I, I, I'm not going to say I'm going to study it, but I, I may use it on some other shows. It was really, really good. And this is the first time not only you appearing with me on a Game Changers radio show. We have 14 series. You might appear on one of the other ones, but this is the first time we've had a quote from Marvin, Martin Buber. So thank you so much. Appreciate that. Dave Gruen has sent us a quote. Dave, the movie of the week of the month maybe the year is the matrix you are the fifth panelist in three weeks to send me a quote from the matrix and everybody has picked a different quote i never saw it i never had interest in seeing it but i think i have to those of you who don't know the matrix 1999 sci-fi film and this particular quote is from a character called spoon boy just like it sounds rowan witt is the actor best known for playing the oracle's metal-melting prodigy Spoon Boy who teaches Neo something important. And I'm going to read the quote now, and Dave, you're going to help me out and tell me what in the world this means. Do not try and bend the spoon. That's impossible. Instead, only try to realize the truth. There is no spoon. Then you'll see 
that it is not the spoon that bends, it is only yourself. Dave, I love the quote. Tell me, how does this relate to grocery? I love this movie because it's a 20 years, the 20 year anniversary this year, and this movie has so much going on behind the scenes, especially if you're in technology. You realize when you saw it that, wow, there is something going on. The, the, the movie's premise is everything's an illusion, and when you get red-pilled, you get to see what's really going on behind the scenes. And the scene reminded me really of the dilemma that grocery retailers are facing right now. In this scene, Neo watches this young boy, kind of a monk-like prodigy, bend a spoon with his mind, which puzzles him because this isn't something that's possible in his world until he remembers that his world no longer exists. He's in an illusion. He's, he's in, inside the matrix. So he remembers the world no longer exists, nor do the rules that existed in that world. Neo's epiphany in this scene is that if the old rules no longer exist, there must be new rules. But what are they? This is where the boy challenges Neo to acknowledge and accept the truth, which is there are no rules. In this new world, which is really an illusion, you have the ability to create and influence rules at will but you must undoubtedly believe that you can. It's why Morpheus keeps telling Neo, free your mind. This concept is what enables us to realistically fly in our dreams because in that world, we believe we can. Here's where it gets interesting, though. This concept is part of the DNA of every tech company because most technology is still relatively new and continuously reinventing itself. This isn't a difficult concept for them. I worked for Microsoft for 14 years and very early on was introduced to this concept. Like, we had a joke. How many Microsoft employees does it take to change a light bulb? None, because we just declared darkness as the new standard. Now, oh, no! That's brutal! This That's is, brutal. Dave, Dave, don't step on the laugh. Idea. Never step on the laugh. That be, that was, <laughs> now you can talk. Go ahead. Here's where I'm reeling in. This is why Amazon has been intentionally and blatantly breaking and rewriting every rule of retail for almost 20 years. The old world of retail doesn't exist anymore because their minds were already free to create and live by the rules that work best for them. They were able to break the rules and create them. So when the majority of the old retail world began realizing what was happening, their instinctive reaction, most grocers, was to defend and cling harder to the set of rules that no longer existed, which just made things worse. Grocers need to free their minds. It's starting, but, but it's really, really hard. It's really hard, like the jump program in the Matrix. The stakes are so high that even the faintest sliver of doubt will initiate a fall. So Amazon is not invincible. That's the key. And they know it. When the leading-edge grocers free their minds, accept that the old rules no longer apply, and realize that they've been in this business a lot longer than Amazon, are physically closer to the customers, and re-envision who they are and what they sell in this new world, they can create the rules, their own rules, and change that game yet again. Restart that dance with Mrs. Jones. Wow. Well, wow. You sure wrapped that up and tied up all the loose ends there, Mr. Gruen. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. I love it. Uh, I had somebody, which quote was it today? It was Trinity talking to Neo today, uh, earlier in, a, in another show. All these famous quotes. Do you think I need to see the movie finally, Dave? Is it time? Uh, if you do, you'll understand a whole lot more about what's actually going on in the world right now. Just Thank right. you. And why, why do you think so many people are suddenly picking up Matrix quotes? I mean, show after show after show for weeks now. What's your thought? Uh, well, for one, it's a 20-year anniversary, and, and this is a cult film. I've seen the movie 25 times, and I never do anything twice. Um, and, and the other thing is, like I said, 
so many things when you saw that move, if you were a visionary and a technologist, you're like, oh my God, that could happen. I used to walk through the R&D labs at Microsoft and I'm like, could this happen? And they're like, dude, duh, really? Of course it's going to happen. And so you'll hear this term, they've been red-pilled, which means they've, their eyes have been opened and they actually see what's going on because most people are asleep. Yes, red pill, I, re- I read that. Trinity says, oh, yeah, Trinity offers the red pill is you'll see the truth and the blue pill is go back to your former life and walk away from it all. Thank you very much. I, f- I feel like uh, I've been matrixed. I've been matrixed. Randy Evans is in an airport somewhere. Randy, I hope you can talk to us right now. Randy sent us a wonderful quote. I'm good. Thank you. Randy sent us a quote from Goodbye Blue Sky. Yes, it's a, so we're going back in culture here. Song on the Pink Floyd 19... 19- 79 double album The Wall yes the song was written by Roger Waters those of you who've been asleep for the past I don't know how many years 50 years Pink Floyd was an English rock band or actually Wikipedia says they were an English rock band formed in London in 1965 they achieved international acclaim with their progressive and psychedelic music it was founded by students Sid Barrett on guitar and lead vocals Nick Mason on drums Roger Waters on bass and vocals and Richard Wright on keyboards and vocals now we know who the band is or were. Here's the quote. This is an interesting one. Randy, I changed the spelling of two words because I looked up the lyrics and this is what I found. So it's, look, mummy, there's an aeroplane up in the sky. Randy Evans, talk to me. Grocery, Mrs. Jones, why are we flying with with Pink Floyd now? So I uh, fly out of Ontario, California International Airport. Um, I I spend quite a bit of time there. Uh, The role I have gets me out and about quite a bit. And the other day I was landing in Ontario and I looked out the window of my plane and I saw on the tarmac um, in kind of the older section of the airport, 10 uh, Boeing 767 cargo aircraft that all had um, a smiley face on their tail and the words uh, prime air on the fuselage. And I, I, I was shocked. So I got out, of, got out of the airport, I went over and looked, and all 10 of those aircraft were being unloaded. They were cargo planes, they cost $200 million. So at that point in time, Amazon had $2 billion worth of supply chain assets sitting on the tarmac in Ontario, California, being unloaded uh, to facilitate the distribution center that is about two miles from the airport in, for Southern California um, uh, digital shoppers. Um, that that facility is four miles long. Three quarters of it is refrigerated. It is a grocery distribution center. And I thought to myself, mm. um, "Wow, uh, who who in the industry is investing billions of dollars in supply chain aircraft uh, to ensure that they can address the digital shoppers' needs?" There's only one company doing it. It's Amazon. Um, so, and I, it just really rang home with me. There's a, there's a huge uh, discrepancy between how Amazon thinks about things and mm-hmm. how the grocery industry thinks about things. So I thought the, the song, uh, the title or the line from Goodbye Blue Sky, Look, Mommy, There's an Airplane Up in the Sky, was quite appropriate because in today's world, that airplane is not a, bo- a bomber from Germany. It is a Amazon Prime aircraft delivering food and, and grocery uh, products to their digital shoppers. 
Very, very interesting. And I have to tell you, uh, Randy, how many times I look out the window of my office here and see a very tall truck painted a dark gray with a blue Amazon Prime logo on it, delivering whatever it is to people here on my street. And I've gotten those deliveries myself. And by the way, we're going to be doing a show on my new series, Technology Revolution, The Future of Now. You know about that one, uh, Randy, because you've been on it. Uh, We're going to be doing a topic on drone delivery. So if you want to be on that one or send me somebody who could talk on that. That would be a fun conversation as well. Thank you to my three panelists. Very interesting. I love the opening quotes and the energy. Let's go around the table just briefly and find out a little more about you. You've already introduced yourselves professionally, but let's find out two things if we don't know already. Bill Bishop, where in the world are you today? A city, a hemisphere, a lake, a country, a forest. We don't need an address. And Bill, what is your favorite drink? You're in grocery. You're in the food industry. What's your favorite drink that keeps you smiling and keeps you doing what you do at Brick Meets Click. Bill Bishop, you're up. Well, my favorite drink is probably not a favorite for many people, but I enjoy a Campari and tonic on ice. A little bit bitter, uh, very, very tasty, and very refreshing. And today I'm uh, uh, in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, Illinois, uh, and uh, Uh, sitting here watching some additional rain come down, which we've had virtually every day for as long as I can remember. Mm. Sorry about the rain. Well, the grass likes it and the trees like it. For those of you who don't know what Campari is, it's a liqueur, C-A-M-P-A-R-I, like camp with an A-R-I appended to it. It's an alcoholic liqueur considered an aperitif, obtained from the infusion of herbs and fruit in alcohol and water. It is bitters, a bitters, characterized by a dark red color. Well, I would like that, Bill. It's used in cocktails and commonly served with soda water or citrus juice or with Prosecco as a spritz. Did I get all of that right, Bill? It's exactly right, and it is. Uh, it's uh, give it a try, but it is an acquired taste. That I'll have to admit. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Let's go to Dave Gruen. Dave, location, if we don't already know it, and what's your favorite drink that keeps you happy and smiling and all that wonderful energy in your voice, Dave? Okay, well, I am in Dallas, Texas where it is, uh, it's hot, it's flat, it's dry, and it's ugly, but it's cheap to live here. And not too far from the Mexican border, which leads me to my favorite drink. This is actually a tough call for me because I have three really favorite drinks, but one just jumped out uh, because uh, for a couple reasons, and it is Don Julio 1942 Añejo Tequila. Añejo Tequila. Now, how would I spell it? A-N-E-J-O. I did. I said it. I yeah, got it. There you go. Wow. Go ahead. Talk to me. Is 100% blue aguave. Blue aguave is the plant that uh, tequila is made from. And pure, really good tequila is made from 100% pure blue aguave plant. And añejo means it's been aged for at least a year. What I love about this drink is it hits me on multiple senses. In Texas, we go bigger, <laughs> we go home. So the expectations for my drink were very high. Don Julio, 1942. Entered my taste testing room with confidence and bravado. One sip can transform even the most hectic day into a soothing sea of sensual warmth and comfort. I'm actually tingling now just thinking about it. 
from its deep amber color and aroma of vanilla and nuts to its smooth, warm oral embrace culminating in the rich taste of aged-toked aguave and spice. This tantalizing, multi-sensory experience leaves all other libations lacking. Even the long, slender bottle screams take me for a ride. It should be on everybody's bucket list. In my humble opinion, your mileage may vary. Please imbibe responsibly. You're doing my job. I usually look up the drinks and read them. <laughs> Randy knows that. I try, just like I did... I did the Campare for, for Bill Bishop. I was ready to pounce on this because I actually spelled Añejo correctly, and I added the Don Julio, and I'm on their website, Art Tequilas. Oh, my goodness. Dave, we have a problem. They want to know ID. They want to know my birth date and if I'm old enough to be on their website. It says, can we see... <laughs> Can we? I'm our daughter. I'm our granddaughter. Can we see some ID, please? It's part of our commitment to responsible drinking. OMG, it's a beautiful bottle. Absolutely, I can't get into the website in no time to do that. So you'll vouch for me. I appreciate that very much, Dave. Randy Evans, we know you're in an airport. What are you drinking now, or what are you going to be drinking when you're on the flight, perhaps, Randy? So there's a there's a little winery that is in Northern California, uh, and it's called Imagery. It's a sub, like a, like a boutique winery that's associated with Benziger wineries. Mm-hmm. But um, they have a, uh, they've created this brand. Um, most of the bottles have an image of the Parthenon in some form or another that's mm-hmm. given, uh, that's by a local artist. And um, they have a Chardonnay that's very difficult to find, but when you do find it, buy it. Because it is spectacular. It is about as buttery and smooth a Chardonnay as I've ever had. So it's a, it's an awesome little winery, and it's it's a fun place to go visit and tour and kind of get to know the folks that 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 uh, produce it. So it's it's pretty it's a pretty interesting drink. I'm looking at the lawn outside the winery right now and the beautiful tasting table and their story, and they also asked if I was old enough, but it was much easier than the other one. So I'm into the website, and it's absolutely beautiful. The bottles, the labels are gorgeous. Wow, we've had some interesting drinks. Uh, Bill doesn't know me. Dave doesn't know me. Not yet. Uh, Randy knows me well. I'm not allowed to have anything with caffeine in it on radio show days, and this is my I do two live shows on Tuesdays and two on Wednesdays, so maybe a little caffeine later, but maybe not. I'm told that I don't need it at all. Natural energy, natural high. We're talking about Mrs. Jones and her grocer. Mrs. Jones, of course, is just an iconic symbol of a woman who knows what she wants in life. <clears throat> and she's got to go grocery shopping eventually. Is she going to do it online today? Is she going to do it in a store? If you were the grocer, what would you need to do to keep her Coming back for more in your store. What is the in-store experience? Are you needing to compete with deliveries from places like Whole Foods, Amazon Prime? What are you doing to compete? How are you going to stay fresh? So the title of this episode is Mrs. Jones and Her Grocer, could be you, got a thing going on from the Billy Paul 1972 Grammy Award winning a song. I was going to say a show. It should have been a show. I think we're going to take a quick break, just 90 seconds. We're just going to have my panelists wet their whistle. Bill Bishop at Brick Meets Click, Dave Gruitt at SAP, and Randy Evans, World Traveler at an airport near you one of these days. SAP also. We're going to take a break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be back and we're going to do a deep dive, starting the roundtable formally with Bill Bishop at Brick Meets Click talking about... Shopping for groceries. What is the experience really, really like? A reality check with Bill Bishop. So, Aaron, take us out.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Seismic shifts occurring across all consumer-facing industries are driving traditional retailers and brands to radically rethink their business models. A new breed of leaders is emerging who have the courage, conscience, and creativity to champion innovation in their organizations. Game-Changing Retail Leaders brings you insights from these radical change agents who anticipate the future, recognize macro trends, and snap their companies out of the past. They drive fundamental strategic and structural transformations within their organizations to create new business models. They innovate game-changing partnerships, cultural shifts, sustainability strategies and technologies to create new consumer value propositions. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear from retail leaders who are driving radical innovation and transformative change within their companies to evolve their strategy on customer engagement and the overall customer experience. Game-changing retail leaders Presented by SAP. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Listening to Game Changing Retail Leaders, presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game Changing Retail Leaders. Welcome back. You need to shop for food eventually, some way, someplace, sometime. Are you having it delivered? Are you shopping online? Are you going to a real face-to-face, in-person brick and mortar? We used to call it grocery store. What is that experience like? What does it take for that grocer to keep you coming back? I know what my experience is with my brand-new, gorgeous local Harris Teeter, but we're not going to talk about that today because I do it too often on the radio. My special guests today are Bill Bishop, co-founder and chief architect at Brick Meets Click, Dave Gruen, Global Retail Industry Principal for SAP's Customer Experience Team, and Randy Evans, a title so long I can't remember it, but I have written down here, Senior Principal for Food, Drug, and Convenience Retail at SAP America. Welcome back. We just took a break. And Bill Bishop is going to start us off on the roundtable. Let me read a little bit from Bill's notes, and then he will take us through the aisles, if you will. Bill says, the problem with just shopping in the store for groceries is that the customer has to buy everything the same way, go up and down the aisle. Find a category, pick the product. Bill, is it ever going to get any better? Our topic is how does Mrs. Jones keep coming back to the store? So, Bill, take us through the aisles of where should we be going with this? Go ahead, Bill Bishop. Well, the nice thing is that in today's digital world, it can be different and it can be better. But let's go back and take a look at where consumers really are when they're reflecting on supermarket shopping. Uh, All the research we've done and observed over the years tells us that about half the people really despise grocery shopping, and the other half actually like it, but (laughs) they've had some negative experiences. Mm -hmm. And so there's a very strong kind of polar thinking when it comes to grocery shopping. I think that polar experience is only heightening in a world when... Everybody's worried about time, 
And if you're used to saving time and you still have to go up and down every aisle, picking up each item the way you historically did five, ten, mm-hmm. or longer ago than that, oh, yeah. you're pretty unhappy with the store. Um, if you, on the other hand, have an online shopping experience, you can do that automatically. You can actually put it on a uh, subscription basis and take all those routine repetitive purchases and effectively program them into your household, concentrating mm-hmm. on kind of discovery and innovation in the rest of your shopping. So I think the real answer here is splitting the routine shopping and making it easy to do the re- routine shopping. At the same time, we make it even more appealing to discover more about food, discover more options to better understand health, and frankly, to be more responsible, which is really what most people want to do in terms of what they're eating and what they're serving to other people. So to me, that split is going to be key. And when we make that split, it's going to improve the situation and probably uh, make the store more attractive in the process, Bonnie. Thank you. Beautifully articulated, Bill Bishop. Let's get Dave Gruen at SAP in here. Dave, agree or disagree? Anything you want to add to the words of wisdom from Bill Bishop? Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, no, I agree that uh, that, that it's a it's a laborious process. It's a boring process. Uh, where I, I differ a little bit is, uh, I think we're already starting to see a customer that's not going to do anything they don't want to do because they don't have to anymore. Uh, you already made the point. The center store uh, stuff is already on subscription with Amazon, uh, so they don't even need to worry about it. It just shows up. The only reason they're going to go into a grocery store is because there's something in there of value for them, and it's going to have to be something new, an experience, seeing other people, engaging with experts, or I'm really not comfortable yet buying fish online, so I'm going to go talk to the fish guy. But uh, fortunately, grocers, I think, are seeing this. There's a whole host of technologies that are coming out that are going to truly enable them to provide a personalized customer experience, and I think they shift to services going forward that keeps them differentiated. Thank you very much. Randy Evans, this is part of your wheelhouse. What do you think? Talk to me. So I I agree with uh, both uh, takes on on it. I think that um, um, the the fully automated auto replenishment uh, concept for dry groceries is going to be a part of the equation, but definitely not all of it. There's still a group of folks, myself included, that, I, I actually love going into a grocery store. Now, I worked in the me business too. for a long time, so that mm-hmm. gives me a bias. But, um, you know, I, I think that's the, the, what the real, the real genesis will be, understanding that your shopper is going to do all of it. They're going to buy online, have it delivered. They're going to buy online, pick it up. They're going to come to the store and buy products. I mean, you've got to look at the digital shopper as not a segment, but as a single individual, and you've got to be ready to, to address her needs no matter where she chooses to shop, either online or in-store. It's, uh, it's not going to be all or nothing. It's going to be a combination of both. And the minute you start to segment your shopper into buckets like that, you're going to end up with, with uh, disconnects and not understand that, that her desires are not just going to be for home delivery. 
Now, Randy, you reference her, and I agree. I started out with Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones, or you have a thing going on with your grocer, so that's that's my fault is uh, gender stereotyping the shopper. But are we finding, we can go around the table. Let me start with Bill and then Dave and Randy. Are we finding that more and more men are doing the primary shopping for a household in the store online? Do we have any statistics on that, Bill? Actually, the increase has been in men shopping, and in many Ah. respects, the men have become much more engaged. So it really is a Mr. and Mrs. Jones proposition, and uh, and I think that makes it exciting because you've got an opportunity to engage with both the male and the female from a retail point of view, and those are two different engagements. Very interesting. Uh, Dave, join us. What do you think? Mr. and Mrs. Jones, what are you seeing? Well, I, what's in, here's what's interesting. When you look at the demographics of this country, first of all, the, the millennials have overtaken the boomers in terms of just sheer numbers. But the number of people who are single across all age brackets has skyrocketed. So mm-hmm. uh, pe- people are doing things on their own, and that's why I think we're seeing um, offerings. For instance, uh, I'm, just, I'm not going to go buy the food because I really don't have time to cook, and when I do, it's not that great. I'm just, I want to buy the meal. Just, and so the, uh-huh. the, these intermediaries who are saying, hey, you know, just order a meal. I mean, heck, we'll send you six days. I'll pop it in the microwave, and uh, you could serve this to a date, and she wouldn't know the difference. She would have think you cooked it. Uh, <laughs> it's something that uh, I, I think is just changing the game. That's very interesting. I'll tell you a story in a minute. Randy Evans, what do you think? Mr. and Mrs. Jones, are they in a store near you? What well, do they want? My uh, my intention was not to interject gender into the conversation. It's I know. It's easier to refer to the she versus the he. That's fine. Uh, but I, I absolutely agree with what was said. The, the the shopper again. It goes back to this relationship that the that you that the that the grocers are trying to and need to establish, regardless of gender. It's who are you? What do you do? How do you shop? What do you like? What do you not like? Um, how do you want to interact? Um, what kind of offers can I, can I give to you that would fit into that genre? And being able to use technology and business, uh, business value to, to ensure that that works and is appropriate is all a part of this equation. It's the reason why, uh, the, uh, why grocers should chase after that digital shopper because he or she is willing to give them way more information about themselves than ever before. Very interesting. I do get a customized blast from Harris Teeter through my Vic, my VIC loyalty card. I get an email every week with the specials, and I notice that it's very often highlighting, uh, Bill and Randy and Dave, highlighting something I bought in the past week or two, and I began to wonder. So we did a show on, on retail and grocery a couple of months ago. Uh, Randy, on this series, I don't know if you were on, might have been last year with, with Stephen Sparrow on the series, and I asked someone, why is this at coming at me and they said because every time you swipe your VIC card when the the checker swipes it and then they ring up your groceries that information goes into the computer and you basically have been profiled as this is what Bonnie likes to buy she likes raspberries she likes 1% milk she likes lots of bananas she likes red potatoes uh, she likes apple juice that's that's filtered and etc etc so when they're putting that together for me it is customized to me and I really didn't know that is anybody surprised by that Bill or Dave or Randy? Uh, it's the Not way the at world all. is going to be. 
There you go. Now, the other thing is that I will tell you, somebody mentioned singles. and uh, Dave, we're going to get to one of your statements on this in a second. But when I moved here to Durham, I really didn't know a lot of people. I didn't have anything to do. I am a, a single woman. I'm a bo- baby boomer. And I decided that the place I wanted to be Saturday night, if I didn't have a date, was at Harris Teeter. So I'd get dressed up nicely. I, I never go out of the house without makeup and nice clothes and nice shoes. It's just the way I am, always dressed up. I went there and I made it my Saturday night shopping experience. The wine department is absolutely phenomenal. It's, it rivals a medium-sized wine store. The fish department, which isn't open at night, but during the day, they will cut the salmon exactly the way I want it and package individual three-quarter pound packages so I can put each one in the freezer and have it for a meal and a half. Uh, if I want something, I'll say to somebody, where is the such and such? They won't just say it's in aisle five. That person will walk me to the aisle and make sure I find that item. Uh, on Thursday nights, you get a fi- Thursday Jersey, you get a 5% discount if you're over a certain age. And there's one checker who tells me she gives that percent off to everybody on, on Thursdays, whether you're a senior or not. So I always go to Erica's checkout. People say, oh, do you want to come on my line? No, I'm waiting for Erica. I am a loyal Erica checker customer. They have. Ma- I don't have to hang out there on Saturday nights anymore. I have other things to do. But it became the place I wanted to be. It's clean. It's well-lighted. And they have a floor Floral department, Bill, when you walk in right there, you're confronted with the fruit and vegetables that are on sale, the best of the best. And then just to the right are the fresh flowers. And I buy myself a bouquet of lilies every week, $4 for two stems that can last 10 to 12 days. And they're absolutely gorgeous. I've always wanted fresh flowers every week. And now for 4 bucks a week, I have them. So, Bill, any comments on my experience in a, a local store that is very new, very sparkling, and very obviously customer-oriented? What's your thought, Bill? Well, it's, um, I'm not surprised. Uh, Harris Teeter, in my experience, is one of the best-run uh, retail groceries uh, in the United States today. They have excellent leadership, and uh, the innovation coming out of that place is amazing. And what's interesting is uh, that's been true now for, you've only been there for a while, but that's been true mm-hmm. for 20-plus years in Harris Teeter. Really? So several generations of leadership have established what you've experienced. Wow, and I'll never forget my little associated food store in Great Neck, Long Island, where I lived for 32 years, and one day I returned a package of cheese, Bill, that had gone bad in 24 hours, and I returned it, and the manager fought with me in front of a bunch of customers. He said, you purposely left it out of your fridge on a hot day and let it spoil so you could come here and get your money back. I said, I've been coming here for 20 years. I'm a loyal, twice-a-week shopper. The cheese is $4.22. You seriously think I let it spoil? He actually fought with me in front of the customers. He was that nasty. And then he refused to give me the money back because the cash drawer had already changed, and they insisted on making me buy something else for the credit. Bill, seriously? Seriously. Shocked and amazed. That's a very Let's put it this way. Let's hope so. <laughs> Let's go to something in uh, Dave's notes. Dave, on this same topic, you say, as, as if the explosive pace of emerging disrupt- disruptive technologies isn't enough, groceries today, grocers, are faced with an unprecedented and incredibly complex consumer demographic, which we've been talking about. Millennials just passed the boomers as the largest adult population group or cohort, we call them. And while the boomers control the lion's share of disposal income, millennials are on the march. And you say the challenge for grocers is that this massive consumer base is diametrically opposed regarding their eating habits, their assimilation, and how they use the emerging technologies. Dave, give us a little more, please. This is fascinating. 
Yeah, th- this one it's really fascinating to me because I don't, I really don't think that that this has ever happened before. Um, you've got two of the largest demographics of uh, people in this country that define a spectrum in terms of what they eat, when they eat it, and the level of technology that they um, adopt and consume. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it truly is a spectrum. And so w- when you've got grocers who are literally competing with somebody who not only understands this, but is, is setting the scale against pretty much every other competitor to, to take advantage of this, uh, grocers are just, they're trying to find a common ground for everybody. And I think that's, that has the potential to kill them. Because mm. you know, either side of this scale, if you upset one group, you've just lost uh, in tens of millions of people. Um, and, and it's almost impossible to please two groups simultaneously. So yeah. I'm not sure I have the answer, but it's, it's a dilemma. Interesting. Randy Evans, we've got something very provocative. We've got a dilemma on the table next to a very good dinner, probably, that Dave is going to serve us all after the show. Randy, agree or disagree with this, uh, shall we call it the demographic cohort challenge to grocers, their different tastes, their different styles, their habits, their food preferences, and their technology? What do you think? I think that it's, that's, that it's true. I, would never, I wouldn't challenge the fact that the demographics are diametrically opposed to each other. But the good news is, because both are willing to be digital, um, the truth and the service and the attention is in the data, which, which means that as the, as the millennial uses technology to interact and to drive their relationship, um, that information allows me to know more about them and understand them at a different level and provide the goods and services that they're looking for. The flip side for the, for the baby boomer, they're also, um, well, maybe not as immersed in technology as, a, as the millennial is, they're still technologists. I'm, I'm, I would consider myself a baby boomer, and I have as much technology use as my daughter does. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, I may not text as much as she does, but I'm, I'm on my device. I use my device. Um, so I'm still, I'm still reachable, and the data about me is still available because mm-hmm. it's digital. That's the key. And, and the reason and the, the way the grocer gets after that information is by being digital themselves. And that's, there you go. That's really at the crux of it. They have to, that's, they have that's to become it. digital. Absolutely. Bill Bishop, join us. What do you think? Demographics, lifestyles, technology. How's the grocer going to cope? What's your observation? Well, I, I do think there's some common elements building on what Randy just said. And at this stage of the game, I can see both the boomers and the millennials, for example, sharing uh, a greater interest than in the past on the connection between food and health. I mean, who isn't concerned about that today? And that kind of cuts across the age spectrum. So the good news is whether it be digital or food and health, uh, and there are probably some others as well, security, uh, are are common across. So once we get our mind around some common themes, I think we've got uh, some planks to build a platform to attract a pretty good market. I like the optimism there. Randy Evans, we just have a little bit of time left, but there's something here we have to cover in your notes. So forgive me for jumping, gentlemen, into something, a topic we won't have much time for. But Randy says, category management as we know it is a dinosaur. The grocery industry cannot continue to force the focus on products that the customer doesn't want, but the suppliers wish to keep selling. Randy, what is this all about? 
So classic category management is really driven by suppliers. Suppliers arrive with money uh, to support products that they've created, and they, they deliver the, the trade funds and the marketing support, and the, and the, and the focus is always in, it's consistently on the product. A category manager has a set of categories that are related to each other. His job is to ensure that the, the sales and profits in those categories are where the company wants them to be. In the future, because we're going to focus on the shopper and the shopper's demand, if you will, um, the concept of a product that the customer doesn't want um, becoming the focus of how I do business is going to go away. And the, and the, and the efforts will be focused on, um, I'll call it meal solutions. I think mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about it in all, in all three of our topics today, but yes. about really talking to the shopper in a, in a, in a, in a way that says, Look, I, I want to offer you a meal. I don't, want yeah. you, I don't want to offer you an ingredient or I don't want to offer you a specific product. I want you to buy spaghetti, spaghetti dinner from me. And I'm going to bring to you in that dinner related products, stuff that makes sense, so that the shopper can now be, can easily um, acquire the foods that they need to uh, deliver the experience that they want without having to wade through a bunch of stuff that they have no desire for. And in Thank that context, you. I believe yep. the category manager role is going to change dramatically. Interesting. And I'll never forget one day around, it must have been a holiday last summer, Randy, I walked into Harris Teeter and there was a line out the door. I had to negotiate. I just wanted my lilies from the floral department. I wanted bananas from the fruit. I couldn't even get in the store. I wonder what happened. They have a prepared food counter with with the special of the week in addition to a bar that where you can serve dinner and they have a lobster special one night and a rib special one night but this was right at the front of the store when you come in and the line was out the door with people waiting to buy or pick up prepared meals for their holiday weekend meals for their families and friends i'd never seen anything like it in in my life before so there you go the meal experience we're at the time in the show bill bishop you're up first this is the crystal ball predictions round what a great conversation we've been having and i've certainly learned a lot from the three of you so bill why don't you look into the crystal ball and tell me what's going to change about mr and mrs jones and billy paul i don't think he's around anymore in terms of what their grocery experience will be brick click here and there what they'll be buying shopping, what they will think of their grocery store. Will we even be calling it grocery? Will we call it the Bill Bishop experience? I don't know. So, Bill, 60 I seconds. I think so. <laughs> you uh, never know. what you're going to find is Mrs. Jones is going to fall into, into one of three categories uh, by sometime in the middle of next decade. She's either going to declare herself as part of the affluent and digitally inclined group, that's sort of mm. the 20% of households that does 30% of the spending, 20% of the households, 30% of the spending. Or she's going to stay right in the middle, being a traditional shopper with a traditional brand loyalties, 50% of the shoppers and 50% of the spending. Or if she really is feeling experimental, she's going to become price and value-oriented and be part of the 30% of the households that do 20% of the spending and depend mainly on Aldi, Lidl, and the discounters. So she's going to be declaring herself one way or the other in those three categories. Thank you very much. I'm sure she would like to be categorized that well. Thank you very much, Dave Gruen. 60 seconds. It's your prediction time. What do you got? Yeah, I think grocers shift uh, 
primarily to relationships and, and services. They, they know more about me than I know about me. They could probably tell me, you stop eating, uh, eat more um, granola and stop eating jalapenos, quality of life goes up 2,000%, and now I'm a customer for life. Um, I think they shift from a, a loyalty program of earn, burn, and churn, which absolutely does nothing for them and, except helps me cut in on their margin. They got to move to an earn, learn, and yearn model, which is, I earn the points by coming in and buying stuff and telling them what I'm buying by using that card. But then they use it to learn so many things about me and create experiences, offers, give me insight into me that I don't even know so that I start to yearn for that relationship. Uh, they don't do that. They, they literally are going to lose the relationship to choice and fulfillment intermediaries, and there's going to be no reason to go into the grocery store. I love that. Earn, burn, and churn has to turn into earn, yearn, and learn. You're good. You're really good. Rat-a-tat-tat-tat, bada-boom. Thank you. Randy Evans, I saved, ooh, well, about 65 seconds for you. Randy, what would you like to predict for us? So the, 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 digital, the digital presence, the, uh, the grocery digital shopper of the future, is going to ultimately um, be greater than 75% of the velocity. I don't mean e-commerce or home delivery or any of the above. I'm saying the shopper willing to use digital techniques like loyalty cards, like mobile apps, like Mm -hmm. uh, ordering solutions uh, will be the dominant component, regardless of how they fit in the demographics, Um, whether they're low income um, looking for um, the deal or whether whatever demographics, they'll still be digital. And what that means is that the, the presence of technology in that concept is mm-hmm. going to be much greater than it is today. But I like to say that we need to, we need to let the technology do what it can, not what it shouldn't. We need to Ooh. have the folks in the stores and the, and, the, and the digital processes from the grocery companies um, do what they can, but not what they shouldn't. And the key is finding out where that mix is, how much technology how do I use the technology? How do I ensure that it's accurate and it's giving me the right, the right mix of, of people and process and technology? It's an old adage. We use it all the time, but it's even more important today to really focus on understanding how to, how to figure that out. Thank you, Randy, for wrapping it up. I have to tell you all to Stephen Sparrow at SAP, who goes by the handle at RetailBird, just the way it sounds, on uh, on Twitter. Just We have 30 seconds to wrap. Yes, he wrote on Twitter, 20 years later, The Matrix delivers for grocery with hashtag The Matrix and hashtag grocery. Thank you very much, Stephen Sparrow, for sponsoring the show. Rocks it out of the park again. We've been talking about Mr. and Mrs. Jones and the grocer. Got a thing going on? Could be. I'm very happy to have hosted the show and have three wonderful panelists, and I'll tell you who they are and thank them in just a minute. So shout out to Aaron Keller, engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio, the business channel for getting us on the air and keeping us there. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. No, not before because you ate too much. Just fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Bill Bishop at Brick Meets Click, just like Dave Gruen at SAP, and just like Randy Evans at SAP flying to its nest his next destination happy grocery shopping bonnie d graham signing off bye bye thanks again for tuning in to game changing retail leaders presented by sap the best run sap to keep the conversation going tweet your questions and comments to twitter hashtag sap radio 
Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.